My name is Douglas Cavey. I'm the Executive Vice President of Defiance Silver. We trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange, DEF, as well on the US uh, OTCQX and in Frankfurt uh, in the uh, German markets. Defiance Silver is a uh, Mexico-focused uh, discovery company operating in Zacatecas and Michoacan, Mexico. Uh, in Zacatecas, we have the second largest land position in the historic Zacatecas Mining District, which has produced about a billion ounces of silver historically. Our neighbors include Capstone Mining and Fresnillo, the world's largest primary silver mine. Uh, in the last year, we've made two discoveries in the Zacatecas district, as well as drilled about three times uh, the vertical profile below the current silver resource. In Michoacan, we have a 1.8 million ounce measured indicated gold resource and an 813 million pound copper resource. And that is a PEA level project that we will look to advance significantly over the next three to five years. Doug, good to see you. Nice to see you too. Well, thanks for coming over here. I know you skipped over from the other side of town uh, to join us here today. Uh, apologies for the weather. What can we do? Right. Awful. Yeah. Right. Um, we've not met or spoken before, so if, I'm going to kind of bounce around a bit, just trying to kind of work out the, the nature of the company because it's complex. You've got a lot of moving parts. Certainly. You've got little cases out there, and we're sitting in Mexico. We're sitting, you know, predominantly silver, but obviously there's a kind of uh, copper gold project I'm kind of quite keen to understand a little bit more about. So um, tell me about the team. Who are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about a ace team of people who have a lot of experience uh, making discoveries and taking projects from M&A through, uh, through to development. Oh, so cool. um, our exploration team in Mexico is led by the very talented Jennifer Roskowski. And then we have uh, a number of other very great geologists who have been on some of the world's largest uh, watch this in Mexico's largest discoveries, which have turned into, of course, assets of tier one categories uh, globally. Um, we brought a lot of people over from uh, a crew that we were working with in uh, Durango State, which is the next state over. And that company is called Orco Silver and La Preciosa. Includes the VP exploration, some of our senior geologists, yeah. and then uh, we've backfilled that with some of the new upcomers in. The Remind market. people why that's, that's a big deal. So Orco Silver was a uh, it was a, a bidding war between First Majestic and Core in 2013. Uh, it started as a seven million ounce resource, and then it was drilled out to 264 million ounces, and was at one point one of the world's largest uh, undeveloped primary undeveloped primary silver deposits. Right. So that was uh, very successful for uh, shareholders in 2013. Uh, VP Exploration, same VP Exploration. That's my father, George Cavey. Uh, he's over on the on the uh, Defiant Silver team, and then we've just been using you know the brains of of uh, of a lot of years of exploration success, and and then putting the right pieces in the puzzle. And then if you look at what's happened over the last year, I think it's been working out for us. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, it, it's a difficult market. It's it's been, it's been working out in, in some ways, not working out in other stuff. Out of your control, admittedly. Okay, so Mexico, great history, mining silver. Right now, it kind of feels strange, strange times in mining in, in Mexico. What, what's, what's happening there? So, well, let's take the market away from it because yeah, I think yeah. that's happening for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, commodity prices, they seem to be working out okay. You know, if you're a producer, then you're probably doing okay. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a little bit of a, a press, downward pressure in the last couple of months, the last month. Uh, Mexico recently implemented a reform on the mining law, mm -hmm. uh, which is being challenged in court right now. Um, it is it has seen a number of changes uh, that were proposed and implemented into a, uh, I think, quite hastily um, uh, passed through mining law. Um, and that's not changes to water rights. That's not changes to um, how communities are going to be involved uh, financially with projects, how uh, title management is going to be done, where title management is going to be done, how permits are going to be issued, what uh, the situation will be with long-term permits. So, or sorry, with long-term uh, like titles like uh, uh, land tenure. Mm -hmm. 
uh, being, you know, the length of time being shortened and then how it's going to be advanced. So those are pretty significant changes to the structure of any mining law. Um, I'll be the first person to say, I think that it is important for countries to always revisit their mining law to see if, you know, you're globally um, efficient with other you know, jurisdictions and how it's going to benefit a, a local economy. So in some ways, it's good that the government's looking at that. In other ways, you know, the consultation program uh, process didn't necessarily reflect what the uh, significant investment of mining is. Mm. This is 420,000 people that are employed in the mining industry in Mexico, one of the largest contributors to GDP in, in the uh, country of Mexico. And then you just look at the commodities. So it's got Mexico's out the world's largest, the world's second largest copper mine, world's largest producer of silver. In fact, Zacatecas States produces about 50% of Mexico's silver. Uh, Penasquito mine, Newmont, which is in the news right now, looks like that's going to be a positive decision. That's 20% of Newmont's gold equivalent ounces come from that one mine in Mexico. So very significant contributor to the mining industry. And I think that uh, there may have been a bit of backfire in the uh, change of the, or the, the reform to the mining law. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm not in, you know, Mexican government. And so I, I, I can only speculate, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that we'll see this, uh, certain evolutions in the mining law, uh, over the next, uh, coming and, time. Well, it's the time is the bit that's the, I get the painful bit here. People trying to understand how long do they have to wait with this uncertainty hanging over their investments, you know, not a silver, well, Canadian silver comp, uh, companies in Mexico. So any, any sense of that? Uh, you know, I wish it's like, how long is a piece of string? Um, governments, they sometimes, you know, are on their own timeline and, and, uh, and oftentimes won't include me in the discussion. Um, we're hoping that there'll be, uh, so Mexico's gonna have uh, federal elections, 2024. Um, so a fixed okay. term for government. So there's a federal election in 2024. So what uh, I would suspect, if it's nothing that changes before 2024, then it's going to be a bit of a delay after the you know, new, uh, new president gets elected. So the uh, president has a fixed term in Mexico. New president will get elected, and then there'll be you know, a bit of a changeover period. And I suspect you're not going to see too much there. But there is a separation between the Supreme Court and the federal government. And if you look at the court cases that have been going on over the past year with uh, some of the other court cases, um, the Supreme Court has been uh, very stern in their decision process. And so we think that there will be at least a, a really you know, strong look at the changes. And that will, uh, I think, favorably, when you compare that to how much consultation went on with the mining industry, that'll look at, say, okay, here's, here's the investment space. Here's the size of the industry, 420,000 people in a country of 140 million people. That's a significant, and that's not including you know, kids and, and adults out of the workforce. That's a pretty significant uh, um, uh, part of the labor force. Like, and so if you start to see the investment leave and there, there was, I, I, I can't quote the study, but there was a, a study that came out and what the expected loss in investment in, in mining exploration and what that percentage was over the last year. It's quite significant what's going to be pulled out because of this. And, and uh, that is going to be directly hit. Now, on the positive, I think you'll see that there's a lot more responsible stuff that happens in the mineral exploration space, you know, with tenure management and how things are going on, what kind of co uh, contracts are getting structured, that companies aren't holding aggressive amounts of ground, that there's going to be a little bit more fairness across the board. So maybe that's going to open up an opportunity for smaller companies who may not have that competitive advantage with, you know, the Peñoles and the Fresnillos and the Basis and some of the bigger companies in Mexico. That could be a positive. I think we're still in the early days. Um, so anything that does change, I think you're just going to kind of see that uh, you know, fluctuate a little bit, but... Hopefully before the next election. If not, then well, I'm not too sure. Right. Okay. So we, we won't talk about the markets because everyone has been affected, irrespective of what the metal, what the, what the commodity is. Okay. Um, that said, silver and gold, precious metals have been under pressure last, I'm going to go three years. Feels like three years. Okay. Um, although, as a, as a producer, like you say, I'm pretty, you're probably not, not too, I'm too, um, unhappy with the situation, you're, you're probably going to be making margins despite inflationary costs on your CapEx, OPEX numbers. Um, do you feel that the market's going to need a lot more consolidation 
for juniors like yourselves because you know there's a lot of you guys it's very confusing people say to me matt okay what are the best kind of silver colors to invest in and i'm like it would take me too long to go through all of the options on the table maybe go get a silver etf that might be the simplest thing to do but in the meantime consolidation MA activity do you expect to see a lot more of that mexico probably needs a bit of that is it going to happen i would i would tend to agree with you particularly in mexico where you have uh you know you just look at the uh filing costs and listing costs and uh, uh, gna expenses between the, uh, a number of companies are holding single assets in in you know risky uh strategies where you have a you know an early stage exploration project that mm. is, at, at the best of times going to be a one to one thousand chance of going into production and then you have that overhead of your budgets for the year, 500 to a million dollars or 500,000 to a million dollars or 1 million to $3 million, but your listing costs and your GNA are $500,000. So the value is not really there for an average investor when they look at the filings. They're like, why would I you know, put yeah. the money there? Um, so that's you know, right for consolidation, but you do need to have those good leadership teams that are able to consolidate these and actually do something with the assets. And so there's also got to be that space as well, because you're going to have a lot of dead weight through those uh, consolidations. And I yeah. think you need to have that good solid leadership team, which is oftentimes what M&A does with the market, but also can be that kind of negative effect. And, and M&A is a leading indicator of a bull market or where you are in the market. And so if we start to see that in Mexico, I think that's going to be a uh, positive, but I would definitely agree with you that we need to look at that. And again, I think that that's going to, that's a great thing for investors to bring up with their, you know, with their solid positions or their key positions. How come you're not looking at your neighbor? How come you're not looking at that? Why don't you guys bring that all together? Because that's effectively what the majors are doing when they buy out a junior is or they, they invest in a junior first, they say, okay, we'll invest in you to do that work because you can do it for a lower cost, but eventually we're gonna wanna take that into our fray because we can, you know, we can balance that cost a lot better than just continuing to invest in you to do that exploration. And then we can, you know, put that into our profile of development. So there is that merger space and we see that, I think, I don't think we see that enough in the junior space. We have, you know, one, two, three juniors just kind of band together and then have it under one management structure, which I, I personally would be in favor of, but, um, we haven't seen even that merger trickle down to the mid tiers too much in the like general states. Like, mm -hmm. of course, Newcrest New Crest, New that just went through. But over the past three years, there's been a, a lot of them, even into the lithium space where you had the big lithium deals go down. Mm -hmm. um, once we see that trickle down to the, the mid tiers, and we will eventually see that, and it's sort of happening a little bit. Once we see that, that's I think we're going to see that M and A space because the mid tiers are the um, that's the backbone of the Mexico mining industry. So those mid tier right. miners, there's a number of large ones, but really those. Those mid tiers are worth so. What I'm, what I'm trying to work out out of this whole conversation, right? I'm just sitting up here at this level is, um, who? What am I backing with you guys? Because I one, I need to know that you're still going to be around. Two, I kind of need to know whether you're the victim or the acquisitor, right? Because getting a twenty percent premium at sixty percent below your, your market, it, 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 which is kind of where most silver companies feel they're at at the moment, Definitely. doesn't feel like a win to me. Um, but putting your company, you and your management team, your old man and then the rest of the guys, putting the team, the company in a position where it's in control, i.e. it can, I've got the experience that you're telling me, um, I can access capital because there's deals to be done because everyone's depressed prices at the moment. It, what, what do you need to do from now to say, 12 months time when maybe mentors do start moving around and maybe there is a bit more down what you're going to, cascading of capital down, down through the into the juniors what do you need to do 
I think you need to just continue to de-risk projects. I think that as an exploration company, that's your number one thing. De-risk your projects to a point that someone's going to look at it as a You can de-risk the company too. De-risk the company as well. Yeah. Right. Get rid of your liabilities, get rid of all, like, so that you have a nice clean balance sheet. You don't have a lot of overhead fluff, but, um, you know, in terms of us, uh, we're large shareholders. Uh, we're doing this for the same reason that another shareholder would come in here. We're trying to, you know, protect our shareholders' best interests. Management insiders, key, key people is about 35%. Um, the fund, uh, Windermere Capital, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Wright, CEO, he's a founder of Windermere Capitalist, 20% of the company. So we're, we're doing this to, uh, for our shareholders' best interests. But we have a we have a pretty clear strategy on on just kind of incrementally de-risking like a phased approach, and that's worked for our peers, and it's worked for us. Um, and over the next twelve months, if you look at the last twelve months, like the values there, we keep adding value to the property, we keep drilling great holes, we keep and the, the market, of course, doesn't care. Well, uh, it, on paper, you do. Well, and but if you not, look at it in the not, model, not stock price, no, not absolutely, and by appreciation by the market, because yeah. I don't think they care. No, because too much else going on in their lives, I suspect, but. They don't actually understand what you're doing. So it comes back to the question of you've got to de-risk the company, you've got to de-risk the assets by going through a process. I, I get all of that, but you're burning through capital doing that and not getting that accretive growth or any kind of right. growth as, uh, off the back of that. So how, how do you handle it? I mean, let's talk about, okay, let's talk about sort of de-risking the company. For, you've, got a, you've got this um, uh, co copper gold, gold project, yeah. but it's sitting in some kind of legal you know, stalemate at the moment, Sorry. it seems. Can you give me an update on that? Certainly. So 2020, or 2023 now, uh, June 2022, uh, subject to the fraudulent transfer of our licenses. Uh, okay, let's, for people, like, maybe there's a few people that don't know that. So. Oh, it's a, uh, it's a Western, it's a Western tale, you know, fabled yeah. story of claim jumping done right. recently. So uh, we had uh, a party fraudulently file transfer documents on our license. Uh, they sold our property, said that we sold our property to them. Yeah, uh, which we didn't. We've been filing the fees. We've been in good standing with it. The Mexican government has acknowledged that with us. The assets are frozen now, so nobody else can do anything on them. Mm -hmm. uh, we took the, uh, those properties to uh, the federal courts in Mexico to have them legally recognize that there are assets. And we expect that we'll have some decisions on that before the end of the year this year. Okay. And then that would bring that project back because right now we're, we're getting smashed because of that. I'm probably putting the penalty box a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, as you should. Because that's the kind of the golden goose, not the golden goose in a way, but it, it's the flagship. It's the flagship. It's the most advanced. It has the right. biggest resource on it. Right. And we'll remind people. Uh, 1.8 million ounces of gold measured and indicated, 813 yeah. million pounds of copper, and then it has uh, an inferred category as well. Right. So it's, and it's a PEA level project, and it's, you know, it's a, a low build out cost, low development uh, uh, development timeline. Um, it's got an oxide deposit on it that mines for five years, and then it, it, it transitions into a traditional sulfide deposit, right. a conventional milling uh, strategy, or sorry, facility. Um, and it, it's it's been in the hands of companies that have had uh, appreciable, like uh, the last company that had it, had a $250 million market cap on it in the last bull market on just a single asset alone, and we bought it for $4 million. So that's that accretive transaction that we were able to do. Um, and then this happened. So that could be a catalyst, but how is that going to look like in a strategy? Well, that would be like, what do we do with it? And spin it out, bring a strategic partner into it. Look at how do we kind of run these projects parallel, not mesh together. Okay. So you separate it potentially, separate potentially. out the, 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 the gold copper, so the copper gold asset out. So that's a, well, I guess there's some value to shareholders of the, of the, of the company when you do that, depending on who the strategic it is, it, it, it could move through the phase. It's got to be a balance sheet. You got to pick carefully, right? Okay, so that that's interesting. So, but you just said you hope to have that resolved before Christmas. Hope Is so. that a hope so? Don't know. Maybe it could be hope so. 
sort of our hands. Um, right. We've been receiving regular updates. We've, we know what we've filed and how that's put ourselves in and where we sit in the court process. And right. know there's sensitivities to kind of, you know, what you kind of over, say? Oversharing what okay. I can say on that. Okay, fair enough. Um, but we're, we're, we're confident and we're positive. We've had the support right to the upper levels of government, including, you know, the Secretary of Economy and then within the Canadian government as well, because, you know, this is a, this is a dark, dark stain on the Mexican industry if that happens because we had a pro property stolen from us. Mm -hmm. And um, and that isn't uh, you know that isn't a. Uh, they told me two years ago they're going to digitize the whole process. Well, um, are we getting there? I I guess not. And hopefully this might be that uh, you know at least that was the harbinger of bad times uh, moving right. forward if they don't digitize things. But um, it, it, you know this may be that that thing moving forward. And maybe that you're, what you're seeing with the new mining law is that they are trying to modernize a lot of these you know what can be kind of archaic things that are happening in, in southern parts. Yeah, I thought, well I think they're you know very very concerned about exactly things like this because there was a lot of it going on mm -hmm. okay we'll park that up so if you come assist in the year hopefully you can give us some good news on that one because you you got spanked real hard exactly. off the back of that and right? fair and and like rightfully so you know that's right. a big asset that that added had a lot of value in our market cap that is a uh, clear catalyst for the company to do something in a different avenue than than uh, the the silver asset in Zacatecas. You know, it's just a whole different development pipeline. And so people saw that. And when we sit with people and talk with them in the room, they're like, what are you doing with copper? Like, it's either they right. want to look, talk about the silver asset. So it's also confusing as well. Okay. Because here, here's the other thing in, in all of us. Cash is what? What are we selling? Uh, two and a half, 2.8. Okay. Two, two and a half, two and a half, 2.8. There's a lot, like I said, uh, 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 at the get-go. There's a lot of moving parts here. You can't finance, possibly have to finance everything. So maybe a spin out there in some way, shape, form, which you'll tell us about when we get to that point. 2.8, even so, and I get all your assets are pretty close to each other. You're sitting on a big land package in the right uh, state um, with all the kind of people around you doing everything that they're doing, um, Prisnia, et cetera. Um, what did you do with that campus? You put out a, a corking set of drill results recently and the market just was like <laughs> same as every drill result we've put out the last year you know cut us in half and you know you see the drill and this is not just unique to us you know, the liquidity events it's the only thing that's driving any sort of trading right. in the market if someone puts news out and again like as, as an investor as well uh, uh, not with my stock but like uh, as an investor as well with other stocks is if there is liquidity sometimes you got to jump on that and we we're, we want people to make money so if they're doing that um, we have uh Still results to put out because we did uh, a number of drill, uh, a couple of drill campaigns last year. Um, we still have some other news to come out. We have another asset in the north of the district that we've been doing a lot of work on. Uh, so we do have news flow to continue on putting out. But until we see the market improve, we're not going to expend a lot of money in okay. drilling um, because you're not getting paid for it. If you're not getting paid for drilling, why would why would you continue to do that? Okay. Um, we do have an in-house resource modeler. We're looking to update the resource estimate because we've been doing focused drilling on updating that resource estimate in the area. So at least that'll sort of quantify some of the work that's being done, maybe be able to put a dollar number on the, uh, and then also begin to look at it in more of a sequencing of mining and versus just drilling a resource estimate. Mm -hmm. So it's a historical mine. Capstone's right next to us. And then there's another mining company to the north of us. They're mining towards our property boundaries. They're, we share property boundaries with them. Right. Um, but looking at it like not uh, what is the resource estimate, but how are you going to sequence that resource estimate in a mine plan? And then looking at all the historical infrastructure, there's 500 years of historical mining on this asset. There's power on site. There's you know, water access to water. You can develop it. But when you're looking at the resource estimate, okay, you've got inferred resources over there. You've got inferred resources over there, over there. You're not going to like build a mine and go after that one over there and down over there. You want to look at it like, okay, well, what is the one to five years looking like? Because to monetize something like this in this district, you don't want to try and sell it so that someone's going to come and mine it for one to five years. 
uh, the success for the shareholder is going to be proving that this is going to be a generational mine. So looking at the deposit that is there right now, maybe there's not going to be uh, 200 million ounces left in that system, which, you know, we're not trying to pretend there is. We're looking for 50 million ounces in that system mm -hmm. and showing that, okay, well, when you're done with that part of the system, where do you go? Move on to the next part of the district, which we've now drilled two discoveries on. And we've shown that there's mineralization there. That is less like three kilometers away and you can drive to it and it's right there. It's right on the other side of the highway. And then go to the north of that district, which we've got, a, uh, we'll put some news out on the surface results from there. So then looking at it like you're looking at this pipeline of really what, you know, maybe that's going back to the mergers thing where you have a company that has a resource estimate, you have a company that has a, you know, brownfields discovery, and then you have a company that has a greenfields discovery. We have that whole thing in the district. So we have that pipeline of what could look like a, a, an area that you could work in for 25 years. Now, we're not, you know, crazy to know that, you know, you need to invest in that kind of stuff. And that's where the market comes in. And we don't want to raise money at these prices. So we have to sort of like pull it back. We have a lot of work that we can look at. We have a lot of work that we can do. And, and when we feel that the market's right, we will look and, and start to raise money for that, that work again. Okay. Can I just look at some of the optionality available? Because there's, you know, teams, some companies talk a good game. They talk ambition, aggression. They're, they're getting it after this stuff. But, it, you know, burning through capital sometimes isn't an option. Yeah. You know, cash-constrained companies are plenty at the moment. If you've got companies to the north of you drilling down towards you and you've got, you know, they're going Ideally, they'd love to kind of come through some of your property. Here's, do you have the flexibility? Because you've got to be sitting with four assets down in Zacharias. Uh, Zacatecas, we have, we'll call it three. Call it three assets. They're three, kind of all you know, contiguous. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is, that, uh, is that available to you? Because like say, where your market cap is, where your share price is, compared to the, the highs of two and a half years ago, yeah. you know, it's been a little ski run downhill. A little ski since, run, right? yeah. Okay, you, You've had a couple of things like really smack into you, everything out of your control. I'm not saying it's anyone's fault, but does you're not going to be desperate to go and raise money at, at, at these valuations, presumably. It just wouldn't be smart unless you could tell a really good story of growth. This isn't dilution. This is growth capital. But that's hard when you're putting a good data market doesn't value that. So. What, what are the options available to you when this kind of portfolio approach? Right now, uh, our options are, uh, you know, the, the next key ones that are, and we've done a lot of this work, is put together the work to put an extensive drill permit in place so that there is not just, you know, 50 pads, so that you can go in there and have 250 pads. Right. So that you can look at, you know, when, when we want or when somebody wants to deploy yeah. the capital on doing exploration. And we're... Whoever wants to put a big exploration budget on this is going to find another Wanasipio. We're going to find another Fresno in this district. Okay. Seen a paucity of modern exploration. Whoever, whoever means you or you plus one. That's what we probably okay. the ideal situation would to be bring someone alongside with us. And whether it. that's just you know you have a good investment firm, you have a good you know investment partner that's right. looking strategic, at strategic investment, or whether that's going to be a major. When these districts, there's not a lot of operators mining these districts in in, in Mexico. There's a kind of a, a core kind of crew of people that are doing this. And so you're really going to look to them and say, hey, this is where we're at. But we've de-risked it to the point that you can yeah. start doing that right now. So they don't right. have to go through all that headache of permits and all that. That's what I'm talking about. There's, there's, a, whole, there's a whole bunch of management teams that have kind of been, you know, been through a few cycles, seen it all before, and they're kind of coming up with um, defense strategies or alternative strategies, whatever you want to call it, which say, look, um, We've got to bring people in. Let's not be all you know pr too proud to put our hand up and say, "Look, I think the best way forward is to bring someone in." Money or 
you know, whatever they're going to, people are going to bring to the table. So, and that's what I'm looking to you for is like, you know, this market has kicked the pages out of people. So, have you had to just keep all options on the table and, and, and to recognize that perhaps stuff you wouldn't have done three years ago is. I don't know if it would have done it three years ago. I think it just would have been more expensive for that person to come and do that three years ago. So it may have been less of an option for the person coming to do it. And then again, you see in the M&A space, like when things are super expensive, that's when everybody shows up. Well, I I always think the thing was nuts, but I guess in in terms of the way that majors or or mid-tiers blow through expiration budgets... Um, it probably makes sense to them. It looks like overpaying to us, but to them, it's no, it's exactly cheap, it's, it's, right? It's, right. It's de-risk. They don't have to spend three hundred yeah. million dollars to get cheap. the mine built. So let's talk about that de-risk bit because that's the value. That's the value. Um, where you're saying, right, okay, instead of fifty pounds, we can have two hundred fifty pounds on here. Uh, permits are in place. Um, local social license is done. That, so that's actually it's, it's easy to s- dismiss for it when when people are banging on about ESG. But the reality is not much happens unless you get all that's, that kind of stuff together. You're not right? going to have a drill result coming out until yeah. you have all that stuff in place. And then if you do have that drill result come out, guess how hard it is going to be to get all that stuff in place after that. How do you describe a company like that? I'm so intrigued because it's coming. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know what? I, I worked with this uh, wonderful teacher and she used to talk to me about these winnable gaps. Okay. So think about it like you have, you, you know, what at the end of the day, you have your, your liquidity event, your exit strategy, whether well, that's, that's going to be a bio, whether that's whatever it's going to be. But then you start here, it's really hard to just go right to there, right? You want to just kind of do it along the way. You just have these little winnable gaps. And each one of those winnable gaps is a value adding gap. And you're getting it further along to the end strategy. And you're also able to sort of compartmentalize what that value growth was for the company. And maybe the share price has just, you know, deteriorated. Or maybe it's actually kind of just held its own, you know, flat, flat as the new yeah. up or whatever we were saying earlier. But then that major company comes and looks at it and they say, okay, if they get it two more down there, then that thing's going to be in production. Yeah, and it's also less with that. It's kind of, I guess it's a nuanced thing. It's like, you know, all companies will say, oh, we're de-risking the project. We're doing baby steps. We're doing winnable gaps, whatever you want to describe it. But it's, it's more about your management team as a mindset saying, look, we are clear that raising money at these levels is nuts. We're just going to destroy our valley, dilute the crap out of us. What we what we are now is a de-risking company, mm-hmm. where we are. We know we're not good. We don't want to. We don't need to do any more drilling. So we're not going to do any more drilling. Let's not pretend. We're not going to raise the capital to try and you know, build this thing. So let's not pretend. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that some companies kind of fake those moves on. You're saying. Actually, there's real value in some really simple things, cheap things. So in terms of my favorite question is a return on capital invested. You know what you're about. Absolutely. I mean, look right. at the drill hole we put out last week, uh, last Monday. That was a drill hole. It was uh, one yeah. of the widest. Yeah. It was a, we've drilled since then, but there's a t- whole series of holes that drilled 2015, 2016, 2017. Yeah. Uh, so all those results had come out in 2017. We took our geologic model, just projected where things should show up in the in the drill holes, went and looked at those drill holes, assayed that core. It was the widest interval that was drilled in those phases of campaigns and the highest grade silver interval that was drilled as well. So we just went and looked at an old drill hole, reassayed it. So we didn't have to do that drill cost. Yeah. So it's taking the uh, taking that, as you say, the first question is what well, tell me about the team. Taking the information and the data that was collected, mm-hmm. analyzing it. And that data could be surface data for drill permits. That data could be, you know, uh, um, uh, data points for um, uh, surface uh, surface access agreements, or even uh, tying up uh, um, um, surface rights, like buying surface run, surface land, 
or that data could be geologic data, it could be whatever. Taking all of that data and then and then uh, inputting it, and what's going to be the one that's going to you know give you the best value for the lowest cost? And we've been doing a lot of that, so we can look and like we've got a year of work right now that we can do with our team right. in place without actually having to spend any money doing surface work. Interesting. And then that's the stuff that's going to lead to maybe it's going to lead to faster permits, maybe it's going to lead to better discussions on agreements for long term, longer term surface access agreements, or maybe we're just going to go back and look at a hole at the bottom of the drill hole and be like, oh, there's calcopyrite mineralization right here. That's what they found at the bottom of the capstone mine down there. So maybe we should, you know, come up with targets. Um, you want to de-risk your targets too. You don't want to spend a lot of money drilling and drilling duds. You want to be like, okay, let's drill our best targets first, so that when you do have a good market, your first drill hole comes out and it's like, capture the market audience again. Okay, and then I guess was the fourth or fifth thing there. Obviously, you, you're presenting the data in a way that a strategic understands because they're going to take your data. They don't need your interpretation of it. They'll have their own interpretation Absolutely. of it. Okay. Yeah. So enjoy the conversation. Thank you very much. Yeah. Appreciate Absolutely. Your, it's really good to catch up. Uh, time for sure. Yep. Um, well, let's just stay in touch. Absolutely. Yep. Sounds, Sounds good. good.